0: Now, my assignment this morning uh, is Hebrews eleven twenty three 23 through 26. Uh, it is the passage that talks about Moses. You've been studying the Hall of Faith and uh, what a tremendous passage it is. Those of us who read the Bible and are taught from the Word of God know uh, that God does not always answer because we need he's motivated by two basic things in scripture uh number one his compassion number two our faith hebrews 11 6 says without faith it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to god must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him and so that's a powerful passage it means we don't have to find god to be rewarded all we got to do is be looking for him what a tremendous blessing that is and so uh, this pericope of scripture uh, i've entitled what will you sacrifice for god so if you will follow along uh, with me either uh, virtually uh, in your bible or literally now i'm going to use new king james version Uh, because that's the past uh, the translation whoa that's the translation that uh, that probably was from heaven but I'm not going to answer it (laughs) that's the version that your pastor uses I'm an old school in the house I'm a dinosaur I still use AOL and uh, I usually tell people look You know, I preach from the King James Version of the Bible, but you follow along in your perversion. But no, I won't say that. I won't say that today, you know, because if God can forgive you for using another version, why can't I? (laughs) So from the new King James Version of the Bible, and I will read the verses as we walk through the exposition of the text. So let's pray together. Our Father and our God, we thank you and we praise you. For your grace and goodness to us, grant comprehension, application for your glory. Feed us with the manna from on high. John 6 says he's the bread that came down from heaven. Satisfy our thirst uh, for the living word in Jesus name. And everybody that loves him said amen. Amen. Uh, Well, at the church that I pastor, I've been there 40 years And uh, uh, Selena, uh, she's an adult now, has her own child. But this is the ritual we go through. At that time, we had a small sanctuary before we built our new one. And uh, we had three services. And so after each service, I would have to go and change. And so I would go down after the 8 o'clock service, and there would be a knock at the door. Say, who is it? It's Selena. Selena. And so I say, okay, come on in, Selena, open the door, she come in, and she say, hi, Pastor Ford, and I say, hi, Selena, how are you today, sweetie? I'm doing fine. I prayed for you last night, Pastor Ford. Oh, thank you, baby. She said, I loved your sermon, Pastor Ford. Well, thank you for that as well. Can I tell you what I learned? Yes, what'd you learn? And she would tell me what she learned, and I'll tell everybody she learned more than three-fourths of the adults that sit in the service. Then she would say, I love you, Pastor Ford, and I said, I love you too, baby. And then, I forgot to tell him this morning, she would always ask me for a hug, and I would give her a hug. And then uh, she would turn to walk away, and I'd say, don't you want some candy, baby? she said, sure, and I have a dish on my desk, and I would give her some candy. The other kids caught a hold to it, saw her coming out with candy, so they start coming. So I'd always have a line. they beat her down there. And so they'd come, can we have some candy? They don't say hi. <laughs> they don't say goodbye. It's with the candy. So, you know, I would give them the candy out of the dish. And then Selena would come and we would go through the ritual every time. Well, on this one occasion, this one Sunday, they all came and the dish was empty. Uh, the first children that came, they were my assistant pastor's kids, the Lyle's kids we call them. And... Um, she came in, she said, he don't got no candy. He don't got no candy. And so they uh, they all beat feet and they left. They didn't say hi, they didn't say goodbye. I don't have any candy. And so here comes Selena. Hi, Pastor Ford. How you doing, Selena? I prayed for you last night. Thank you, baby. Thank you for your sermon. You're welcome. Let me tell you what I learned. I love you, Pastor Ford. Can I get a hug? She turned to leave and I said, uh, Selena, you don't want any candy? She said, You don't have any candy. But little did they know, the candy you could see had nothing to do with the candy you couldn't see. I had three drawers, and each one of them was filled with candy. And so I opened the drawer. She had a little sundress with big pockets, and I filled her pockets up. Then I gave her a bag and filled it up with candy. And she walked out in the hallway, and the kid said, He got candy. They start running in, and when they got to my door, I shut it. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, wow, I got to use that as illustration because too many of us are like the children who came to me for the candy. Selena came to me because she loved Pastor Ford. The other kids, because they loved the candy. We've got too many believers who love the gifts but not the giver? Hmm. Too many of us, oh thank you. Amen. Too many of us seek his hand and not his face. Let me show you what I mean. Psalm 16, verse 8 says this: the Lord is at my right hand. So he's at my right hand. What does that mean? It's stable. I'm stabilized because I have the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground the sinking stand, so I'm there. But verse 11 says this, his pleasures are in his right hand. So wait a minute, if we're side by side here, the posture of partnership, and I'm solid and stable at his right hand, if I move to the pleasures, then I've just moved my stability so that I can get his supply, how do I get both? Well, it's very easy. If I don't seek his hand, but I seek his face. If he's facing me and I'm seeking his face, then the Lord is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. And at his right hand, his pleasure's forevermore. When I seek his face and not his hand, I get stability and supply. See, love is measured by what you're willing to sacrifice for the one that you love. A lot of people talk love, but very few people walk love. Now, I know I said it the last time I said it uh, was here because I say it everywhere I go, almost every time I preach. Here's what I say. Christ's Bible could say it with me. Here's what I say. Say, what do you say? Your talk talks and your walk talks. But your walk talks are a lot louder than your talk talks. So you gotta walk your walkie like you talk your talkie. If you're not gonna walk the walk, you gotta quit talking the talk. Got that? <laughs> yeah. And so when you begin to look at Hebrews, that's what he's telling us. He said the, the sixth sense kicked in on them. It's faith. Now, 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 what's the best definition I ever heard of faith? Now, not you, but I ever heard. Forsaking all, I trust him. Come on, say it with me. Forsaking all, I trust him. Let me give you my favorite definition of faith. Here's what I believe faith is. Faith is believing it is so, even when it's not so, until it becomes so, because God said so. Yeah, what does faith do? Faith gives us insight into foresight like it's hindsight. Oh yeah, it it is, it is, it is faith. Because what will faith do? I'm glad you asked. You ask intelligent questions. Faith will turn stumbling blocks into stepping stones. You remember what happened to Joseph? He went from the pit to the prison to the Potiphar's. I mean, from the pit to Potiphar's to the prison, then to the palace. So it looked like stumbling blocks, but they were actually stepping stones. See, when you begin to look at it, faith will turn your setbacks into setups. So that God will, will allow your setback to become a setup for your comeback. Preach, Pastor Ford. I'm doing the best I can. And so all you have to do is have witnesses from the Bible. That's what the Hall of Faith is all about. That faith will turn your obstacles into opportunities. You don't believe me? Ask Daniel. Yeah. And he was in the lion's den. the lion said, it's Daniel will shut my mouth. Faith will turn problems into provisions if you don't believe me, ask Paul and Silas, because their faith turned a jailhouse into a church house. I can imagine them saying, listen, Paul says, my name starts with P, yours start with S, so I'll pray you sing. I can hear them in the prison. It was the first first case of jailhouse rock, and Paul starts... Paul start praying and Silas starts saying victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory today is mine. I told Satan get thee behind it. And the walls start shaking. Hmm. And so faith will turn the choir into a conquering army, asked Jehoshaphat. It'll turn a stone into a sledgehammer. You don't believe me, asked David. Remember, Saul was hiding in the officer's club, and uh, all the soldiers were afraid. And they were saying, he's too big to hit. And David said, no, y'all got that wrong, baby baba. He's too big to miss. My man picked up five smooth stones. Everybody that studied the Bible know he wasn't afraid of missing. Goliath had four brothers. So he picked up five stones and said, well, you know what? They may want to get some of this. So it's going to be on like neck bones. And I can see him now taking that sling and going one for the father, one for the son, one for the Holy Ghost. Blessed three in one. Woo! Bam. Hit Goliath in the forehead. I guess you could say he got stones. Yeah, David made an impression on him. And then, and then don't forget this now. Read your Bible now uh, because that didn't kill Goliath. What killed him? David took his own sword and chopped off his head. That's what killed him. Aren't you glad that there are some things that the devil has to use against you that God will reverse it and have it used against him? Yeah, that's it. And so too many measure the essence of their faith by their service. When it should be measured in reality by your sacrifice. Hmm. Not what you're willing to give, but what are you willing to give up? Wow. Yeah, see? Uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, 23 through 29, that was my assignment. Moses is our example. Now, now, basically, if you look at that pericope about Moses, it gives us two things. I only got time for one. I was telling him this morning in the morning service, you know, 35 minutes is my introduction at Christ Bible Church. <laughs> and, and so here's what you have. Here's what faith gives up. Here's what faith gives gets. So the first part, is all the things that he gave up, seven things, uh, uh, I'm going to drop them, I can't push them. But then it tells about what faith gets. So, 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 so to let you know where I'm going, uh, so that if you want to fall into the arms of Morpheus, you'll be able to talk intelligently about the message after service. Here's what he says in this pericope. Faith gives up worldly plans Worldly prestige, worldly pleasures, worldly prosperity, worldly popularity, and worldly presumptions. And what does faith get us when we sacrifice? Now, I want you to know something, and I didn't point out this morning, you know, sometimes I feel uncomfortable just doing the same message twice, but I'm changing it just a little bit. That when you look at it, notice there's the negative, then the positive. The negative is, give this up. The positive is, this is what you'll get for what you gave up. So if you look at that pericope, uh, the the six things that I said, he gave up. Why? Because you got to deal with the negative before God gives you the positive. Folk running around talking about, Lord, do this and Lord, do that. And God's saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, you have an obligation. To love me, serve me, worship me, all of that. Walk down through the hall of faith. Abel, the worship of faith. Enoch, walking by faith. Noah, working by faith. Abraham, waiting by faith. Joshua, warring by faith. Now, Moses, giving up wealth by faith. And so when you look at this, I heard a story, I don't know whether it's true or not, but it talked about a little boy and his twin sister. They both had rare blood type. The sister needed a transfusion. So the doctor got the family together, explained everything needed from her brother. So the family explains to him, your sister needs your blood. Come the big day, the doctor told him, you'll be in one bed and we'll have an IV running from you. And it will run into, from, from this jar into your sister and she'll be able to live. They started to the process and and the little boy said to his father looked up with tears coming down his face And he said daddy. And he said what son? When do I die? You see he thought he had to give all his blood For his sister. Let me ask you a question according to the this pericope this text What are you willing to give up for god? notice in the text notice in the text verse 23 Uh, It says, first of all, uh, that uh, uh, faith gives up worldly plans. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. See, this verse talks about the preservation of Moses from the plan of Pharaoh. His parents were given the world's plan. Kill all of the newborn baby boys. They would throw these Jewish children into the Nile as a sacrifice to the God of the Nile. Moses' parents could have made a pro-choice. It would have been easier to follow Pharaoh's plan. It was harder, but they did it God's way. See, you and I know that the world's plan is in total contradiction the words plan. I mean, look at what's going on. You know, somebody asked me, uh, were were my children pro-life? I said, they don't have a choice. (laughs) In other words, what's happened? It's been turned upside down. Let me expedite just by one prayer. How many of you remember, you probably heard it from this pulpit when it was very popular, uh, uh, Joe Wright's prayer to the Kansas City Legislature. It shows the difference in the contrast. Listen to this one more time. Heavenly Father, we come before you today to ask for your forgiveness and seek your direction and guidance. We know your word says woe to those who call evil good, and that's exactly what we've done. We've lost our spiritual equilibrium. We've inverted our values. We've confessed, we've ridiculed the absolute truth of your word and called it moral pluralism. We've worshipped other gods and called it multiculturalism. We've endorsed perversion and called it alternate lifestyle. We've exploited the poor and called it the lottery. We've neglected the needy and called it self-preservation. We've rewarded laziness and called it welfare. Father, in the name of choice, we have killed our unborn. And in the name of right to life, we've killed abortionists. We've neglected to discipline our children and called it building self-esteem. We've abused power and called it political savvy. We filled the air with pornography and profanity and called it freedom of expression. We have violated and ridiculed the time-honored value uh, of our forefathers and called it enlightenment. Wow. That that, that says it. Too many of us have closed the barn door after the horse is gone. Let let me point something out in this text. Uh, Moses' parents started right from the beginning. They're passing on a legacy. What legacy are you passing on to your children? Notice this. The text says the parents hid him for three months. They did it by faith. But then it says they're not afraid of Pharaoh. Now, for me, as I look at it, it's oxymoronic. It's paradoxical. It seems like oil and water. If you have faith and you're not afraid of Pharaoh, then why hide him? Here it is. Because faith does not call for the neglect of reasonable precautions. Remember Matthew chapter 4, verse 11? The devil comes to Jesus, and I guess temptation is like baseball, three strikes you out. I didn't say anything about my book, but I only brought one. I have seven books, but I brought uh, one today, What to Do When the Devil Talks to You. And uh, it, it's based on what happened with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, uh, in the temptation, you know, how do you fight what you like? And so the third temptation, what does Jesus say? Uh, Satan says, he, ga- he grabs the Bible. And he says, the Bible says, in Psalm 91, 11, and 12, he will give his angels charge over thee, and 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 so you could throw yourself down from this temple, and nothing will happen to you. And Jesus said, "You're reading the Bible upside down, baby, baba. You need to understand. Uh, you've taken the book out of context. Here's the right context: Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. You, you get it. You get it. In other words, well, what's going on here, Pastor Ford? It is. Faith does not call for neglect of reasonable precautions. I remember listening to the great venerable servant, uh, Dr. Warren Wiersbe. I taught at Moody for 17 years. And and Dr. Wiersbe, I've heard him over and over again. He said this, talking about presumption of Christians, where they mistake mistake faith uh, and, and don't have the right object for it. He said, I taught on presumption and taught them on what is real faith. Afterward, a man came up to me. He said, I got it. I got that thing about you said we're invincible in the will of God. So if I go to the busiest intersection at the busiest time and cross the street, I'm invincible because it's not my time. Dr. Wearsby said, I told him, if you cross the street at the busiest intersection at the busiest time, it is your time. (laughs) <laughs> Amen. And so here he gives up worldly plans. Here's the second thing in the text. If you look at the text, faith gives up worldly prestige. Now now watch this. He says, by faith, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing of pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Wow. Faith gives up worldly plans. Faith gives up worldly prestige. Anybody see uh, Prince of Egypt, that old movie? Remember, it was historically accurate for Egyptian uh, pharaohs and princes. He's in the chariot, and there are men running in front of him, hell, Prince of Egypt, Moses, Prince of Egypt. And people, as he came along, had to bow. Let me put it in the words of my young people. Moses, under Pharaoh, was big baller, shot caller, number one stunner, player player from the Himalayas. (laughs) That's what he was. And so he's given up all of that prestige. Here's what I like. Uh, You know, there's only so much you can say. But when you begin to look at this, God has a sense of humor. You want to know how to make God smile? Tell him what your plans are. (laughs) Pharaoh, I'm going to destroy you and liberate my people. And you're going to pick up the tab on the one that I'm going to use to do it. Wow. Man, isn't that amazing? that he raised the very one who would destroy him. And God said, you picking up the tab, reminds me of a, of a teenager, that's what I call senior saints. And she would she lived above a grocery store and she would come there and she would say, uh, I have her devotions five o'clock in the morning and she would you know uh, just pray and have a good time in the Lord. And this one morning she prayed, Lord, I've got too much month at the end of my money. I've never seen a righteous forsaken, nor see begging bread. Will you provide for me? Well, the grocer's uh, owner who owned the building was an atheist, but he wanted to have some fun with her, so he went down to his grocery store, and the next morning when she came out to pray, there were bags of groceries on her balcony. And she said, Thank you, Lord. I praise your holy name. And he jumped out and said, Aha! It wasn't God that did it. It was me, and I don't believe in God. She said, thank you, God, for your bountiful provision. He said, didn't I tell you it was me and I put the bags on your balcony and I don't believe in God? She said, thank you, God, for your bountiful He said, wait a minute, why do you keep thanking God when I told you I don't believe in God and I put the bags there? She said, well, I'm praising God because I know God is the source, even though he used the devil to deliver it. <laughs> That's it. He gives up worldly, presi- he's presented with op- options. As a matter of fact uh, come of age is one word in the Greek and I was telling them this morning, you know my cousin told me after I finished seminary, I went around dropping Hebrew and Greek everywhere and she said, cuz come here, come here, come here, come here she said, now nah, you know, I, I don't want, I don't mean no harm, anytime somebody tells you that, they're going to mean you somehow she said, but Greek and Hebrew should be like your underwear you should use it for support, but don't run around showing it to everybody. <laughs> uh, but it literally means, here's what, here's what it literally means: a rational decision based on maturity. That you have been so seasoned in the wor- word that the world has no sway on you. See, see, I like the tense in the Greek, and I'm not gonna do any more. It's eris. Say Eris. Now, I'm sure Pastor Dirk has, has mentioned it plenty of times in his 25 years. It, 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 it's past tense. It literally means, like, for example, I, I'll show you real quick. Some of it, I, I, you know, I cut a lot this morning, so I'm going to cut some this this, this this morning too. Remember when it says that Jesus blessed the, blessed the fishes and the loaves, took that little boy's Happy Meal lunch, fed 5,000 men? It says he broke it. And then he passed it out. Check this out. You got to put on your Greek glasses. Broke is eris, which means he broke it one time. But passed out is a present infinitive, ing. E-D, he broke it. Pass. He kept passing it out. My question is this. If he only broke it once and he kept passing it out, where did the multiplication take place? In his hands See maybe the reason why you don't have the funds that you need is because they're in your hands not in his hands Maybe you haven't gotten that healing uh, Because uh, you're depending too much on the doctor. I ain't got nothing against doctors. I just I go I I see one every week (laughs) Instead of the great physician because you know he's got Walgreens and Osco and CVS in the hem of his garment, all you got to do is touch it. You'll be made whole. See, in other words, a lot of people have belief, but they don't have conviction. What's the difference? You ask intelligent questions. I'll tell you what it is. Belief is what you hold. Conviction is what holds you. Yeah, and so what happens? He gives up worldly pleasure. And, and the text went on to say, because he chose pain with the saints. Now watch both verses, uh, both, both, both 26, 27. Suffering affliction with the people of God, pain with the saints, choosing the reproach of Christ, shame of the Savior. Wait a minute. You're choosing pain with saints and shame with the Savior over worldly prestige? That's what he says, yeah. There are four levels of motivation that I see in scripture. Ask me. Oh, thank you. Discipline, duty, delight, and devotion. Now, discipline says I do what I do because I have to. Duty says I do what I do because I ought to. Delight says I do what I do because I want to. But devotion says I do what I do because I love to. I love Jesus. Hmm. When we begin to look at this text, it is so powerful. James says it this way. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be complete. An entire lacking nothing Romans eight twenty eight and 29 you know it very well and we know that all things work together for good now if you were Christ Bible Church I would say what does all mean and here's how you would respond all means all that's all all means come on come on what does all mean all means all that's all all means amen. And so we know that all things work together, not some things, not most. All things work together for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And so what's going on here? He he chooses the shame of the Savior and pain with the saints. Why? Uh, Let me illustrate with a story real quick that there was a boy in in Florida and he was too close to the swamp his mama had told him to stay away. He didn't and a gator grabbed him by the leg and was dragging him in He hollered and screamed his mother was able to get to him and uh, Save him. He's in the hospital and the doctor says to him. Okay, we've taken care of you But how are your scars? Are they hurting you? He said Which ones? He said, what do you mean which ones you got scars all over your body he said? No, no, no. I got good scars And I got bad scars. He said, well, doctor, I don't understand. He said, when the gator grabbed my leg, he put his teeth in. But my mother came and grabbed my arms. And her fingernails went into my arms. He was pulling me and she was pulling me. But she won. The gator gave me bad scars. But my mama gave me good scars. Because she saved me. The question on the floor is, are you willing to get good scars? Luke chapter nine, where where he says, if anyone would follow me, let him pick up his cross, die daily and follow me. Oh, wow. Salvation cost us nothing, but discipleship cost us everything. See, too many of us like the chicken and the pig. Y'all ain't heard this a long time. I know you ain't heard a long time, but this old we preachers done wore it out, but we can bring it back now because everybody forgot. <laughs> so the chicken and pig are walking down the street and uh, they see a sign, ham and eggs, all you can eat. Chicken said to the pig, hey, why don't we contribute to this? Pig said, look, all it costs you is a few eggs, but for me, it's total commitment. And that's what Moses is doing. It's total commitment. What's he doing? He focused on the ultimate and not the immediate. Too many of us focus in on the right now instead of focusing on the not yet. Failing to understand if we focus on the right now, it will keep us from the not yet. But if we focus on the not yet, we will walk through the right now so we can get to the not yet. Here, I got to do this fast. I I feel like Judas. What I do, I must do quickly. (laughs) Yeah, because I I know. You know, I'm on the radio. Whenever you're supposed to be done, you better be done. And and don't y'all tell Pastor Derek on me, I went 31 seconds over this morning. (laughs) And uh, when you you look at it, here's the last one I can get to. I can't get to all six, but you got half of it. Like I told him this morning, maybe you'll invite me back to preach the other half. I just kidding. Faith gives up worldly places. Here's what he says: He by faith he forsook Egypt. Read the rest of it, because I got four minutes. And I got got to quit on time. Egypt represents the world. Hey, remember? Check this out. How many of us are like him? Remember when he ran away? What did Jethro's daughters say when he saved them? An Egyptian saved us. So even though he had run because he was trying to fulfill the purpose that God gave him, he still looked like the world. So that those women who had never met him said, An Egyptian. Are you a Christian that looks like an Egyptian? (coughs) Do people look at us and say, What a Christian. Or do they say, what? A Christian? (laughs) Hmm. Here it is. He gives up worldly places. Let me hasten. See, the Christian life is either or, not both and. It's either the Bible or your horoscope, not both and. It's either the Holy Spirit or the Jack Daniel Spirit, not both and. It's either worship or weed, not both and. It's either the gospel or the gossip, not both and. It's either the providence of God or the lottery, not both and. It's either the old ship of Zion, y'all don't have that here. Uh, in, in, in Chicago, we have Boat and Hammond. And I tell them, which ship are you sailing on? Old ship of Zion or the boat at Hammond. One person came to me afterward and said, I sail on both. I said, what you mean? Because I go to the boat on Hammond because they got the best buffet. (laughs) When you look at this, uh, let me summarize it. Here's what Vance Habner, the late great uh, Southern Revivalist said. He said this. He says, Moses chose the imperishable, saw the invisible, and did the impossible. Man, that's what his faith did. Seeing is present tense verb action. What does that mean? It doesn't mean with the eyes of flesh. It means with the eyes of faith that that, that that Moses, a better word would be comprehended the invisible. See, that's it. How do you know when somebody has really seen God to the point where they comprehend who he is? They sacrifice. Let me tell you this story real quick. I, you know, I, I have uh, five boys, uh, two are still with me, three are with Jesus, nine grandkids. And uh, I like cartoons. I like old school cartoons. You know, I like Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Porky Pig. You know, I'm, I'm old school in the house. I'm 70 years old. That, that's what I like. But, I, you know, uh, I'll watch it with my grandkids. And so, you know, uh, Popeye the Sailor Man, I don't want to forget about him, Popeye the Sailor Man. I used him plenty of times, you know. Him and olive oil, you know, baby got no back. And um, so my grandkids said, Papaw, watch Barney with us. I said, okay, y'all know who Barney is, right? So we're watching Barney. And then I start crying. And they said, Papaw, why are you crying? I said, because a Christian had to do this one. They said, what do you mean? Explain it. I said, okay, it's Barney's birthday party. And here's what happens. There are all the little kids are out there. There's 20 or 30 of them at Barney's birthday party. And one little boy says, Barney, how old are you? And Barney says, I'm three dinosaur years old, boys and girls. One little boy said, I'm older than you. I'm five. One perceptive little girl said, wait a minute. We don't know how long a dinosaur year is. Barney, how long is a dinosaur year? And Barney said, one dinosaur year is one million years, boys and girls. And they all said, ah. Oh. Then they said, Barney, we measure ourselves uh, by the growth board. Come on, let us measure you. Nobody was there that could measure him. And when he stood against it, he was way above even where they had room to put anything. And they all said, ah, oh, you're bigger than we're ever going to be. Then he said, Barney, when it's our birthday, we wear the birthday crown. So they gave him a little paper mache, messed up looking crown, put on his head. Oh, it's too small. Barney said, don't worry about it, boys and girls. Put in his hand, bing, and it turned into a gold, solid gold, uh, jewel encrusted crown. And he put it on his head. The one perceptive little girl said, Barney, you are amazing. Barney, you are older than we're ever going to get. Barney, you're bigger than we'll ever be. Barney, you got more power than we could even imagine. I was going to give you this gift for your birthday, and then she just dropped it and said, but it's not a gift worthy of who you are. I'm going to give you my dolly. And the only one I love more than my dolly is my mommy and my daddy. I'm going to give you the very best that I have because I love you. Then all the other kids drop their gifts and they start giving Barney the sacrifice of praise. The very best that they have. Other than their mommies and their daddies and the question on the floor is What will you sacrifice? For God Our father and our God we pray that you would minister to us By the Holy Spirit in this brief time every head is bowed and every eye is closed. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, but you like to be directed by Pastor Brandon and those who work with him as they walk you through the scriptures, would you lift your hand? Would you lift your hand? You want to be directed by Pastor Brandon and his team. You lift your hand. Maybe you're here and you would like to have prayer. You say there are some areas where I need to sacrifice. I just want somebody to pray with me. You'll just come to the front very quickly. Pastor Brandon and those who are working with him would be glad to pray with you. Well, even walk you through scripture if you'd like. Is there anyone who needs to respond? Amen. Amen. I see your hand. If you don't mind, would you just come and follow Pastor Brandon? Follow Pastor Brandon? Right here. He's got his Bible lifted up. Amen. Yes, sir. Yeah, you can just come right now. Yes, sir. Anyone else? Anyone else? You can just step off from where you are. Pastor Brandon, those who are working with him on the team, is waiting. Saying, <clears throat> no one else if you'll look up to receive the benediction. The benediction benedictos literally means good diction or good sayings. So the benediction was the preacher or teacher's parting admonition to the people of God. It conveyed two things, a blessing and a badge. So those who leave early, they miss the blessing and the badge. You say, what's that all about? We know what a blessing is. What's the badge? Well, I'm a cowboy buff bad guys are coming, the sheriff doesn't have enough so he deputizes and gives a badge to people who who weren't deputies and they are now given authority so the benediction blesses the people of God but it also empowers them, gives them the badge that what God has taught you through the Holy Spirit now is your responsibility to take it out of this place Because what's learned in the holy place must be lived and broadcast in the marketplace. So receive the benediction. And now unto him who's able to keep you from falling to present you before his presence with exceeding joy. To the only wise God our Savior be glory, dominion, majesty, and might, both now and forevermore. And all of God's people who love Jesus said, God bless you Calvary Chapel.